it's been way too long and I really miss you. I love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Hey guys, welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives this week. This is Justin here in LA. I've got Mike over in England. Hello, my friend. Yeah, what's up, man? Nothing. How you doing? Good, good, good. It's time to get back into sports this week. Yeah, very excited. We had a lot of fun with our American football episode. And now we're going to take it to another American pastime, baseball. Top five baseball movies. Very excited. Yeah, been a blast. Ton of movies. Got to watch a bunch. A lot of first time watches as well. Great to just relive. Like we'll we'll mention it, I'm sure, when we introduce our guest. But we've, you and I are both big baseball fans. Grew up in a part of the country where baseball is huge. Now I'm sure your parents are are huge into baseball like mine are. So good to get back into it, especially living abroad where they don't play baseball at all. Yeah, you've you've definitely been uh been missing that a little bit. But cricket though. Cricket. That's where it's at. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> um whatever you say, bro. But uh <laughs> anywho, before we get into this, before we introduce our special guest, we're gonna jump over to basketball for a second and we're gonna get into our spotlight. And that means that our spotlight this week obviously is Space Jam 2. A New Legacy, starring LeBron James, and I guess sort of a sequel. Do you can what do you what do you what do you think, Mike? For me, it's pretty much a remake. I mean, it's just the same like formula as the first one, and it doesn't. There's no like indication in the film that this has happened once before with Michael Jordan. Really, there's like one joke about it, but I think they're going for a remake. You think? Because I thought that they were very clear with a certain scene maybe over halfway into the film where there's a certain cameo by a certain someone else. Yeah, correct. But like before that, they never, they never recognized that like someone could enter their tune verse and have like a basketball game and they don't know how to play basketball, you know, which is a big part of the first one is they learn how to play. True. With this all said, I think we can agree. And not the greatest film. Yeah, I I can I can say I did a little triple feature on Friday. I saw this. I saw the new Purge movie and the new uh, Escape Room movie. And this was by far the scariest thing I saw that day. (laughs) This was horrifying. I mean, (laughs) I just, you've probably already heard this, honestly, if you're listening to the pod, but it is like, it's like marketing wrote this movie. It's like vertical and horizontal integration in the movie. It's just like, it just oh god there's no attempts to make a good film here no no there uh there are not and it's very clear what they're doing i'd say here's my here's my uh i'd say this is my nice take on it the one thing i did enjoy which again it is like marketing was just making this movie but yes as someone who grew up as a kid in the 90s 
of course I enjoyed that there are many, many throwbacks to all of the different franchise, franchises in the Warner Brothers universe, even some that aren't necessarily kid-friendly like The Matrix. That stuff I got a little bit of a kick out of, but just the story itself. I love, I love the Looney Tunes, but this was very much kid-centric and... The the story was as just well, I mean what story? as cliche exactly <laughs> exactly there's there's barely is a story Ugh. and just Le- I'm not a big LeBron guy as it is LeBron's but terrible like, in it, honestly. he's bad he's bad and like the just yeah it's it's as much of just like a very cliched kid story as it could possibly be. And, and I had come all the way around. Like, I was initially like, fuck LeBron. I can't believe he's remaking Space Jam. And then I really started to get excited. And I was like, what am I saying? I love Space Jam. More Space Jam is good. And then I was just so let down. And and honestly, from the very beginning, like, the, I mean, the opening credit scene of Space Jam is so fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And this one was literally just a LeBron highlight reel. Yeah, that was one one of the lamest like, parts of the movie. Oh me. my god, we're in for we're in for something bad here. And it was yep. it was bad. It was bad. I will I will be I, I I was slightly higher on it in the sense of there were at least moments I enjoyed, and I for going into it just being like I'm not really that excited for this. Yeah. But still with an open mind, honestly. Like I was like, all right, like let's see. Like it's obviously not going to be as good as the original. But for me at least, I got through it and said, you know what? It wasn't as god awful as I thought it would be, but I'd never watch this again in my life and I don't necessarily think I'd ever recommend it, except to like a family to show their kid. No, for me, I actually kind of agree with you. Like, I, I think it's like a two, two and a half star movie. The people that are like, this is half star, this is one star, they're just like incredibly upset mm-hmm. at not being Space Jam. And and you could make a case of why it's so bad. But like, I really don't think it's that terrible. It's just, yeah, it was, I don't know. I had a very like dystopian reaction watching it. Like, oh man, this is this is where we are today with films. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is, it was rough. It was rough. Ugh. Anywho, point being, leave it up to yourself, but we'd probably recommend skipping it. So with that said, before we hop into this, we have a very special shout out. Very, very special. We have a new top fiver Patreon supporter, and we could not be more upon. Thank you, James Smith. Amazing. Amazing. And what's great about this is, I mean, James is someone I met in the UK. He doesn't live here anymore, uh, but you've met him as well, sort of just by chance. That's unbelievable. That This was when I was in England, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Oh, my. of course. At the it pub, was, I still at the across, pub the across the street. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Holy I mean, shit. What, a, what a great human. Thank you so, so much for the support. It just, it means the world to me, and I, and I know it means the world to you as well. It does. Thank you. Thank you so much, dude. Like... Could not appreciate it more. Could not appreciate it more. James Smith, the man, the myth, the legend. Here we go. All right. And now it is time. Top five baseball movies. There was only one person that we could bring back for this. The man that got us through our top five American football movies. The one, the only, the Boston bread. James Passamato, a.k.a. Pass, 
What is up, my friend? Hey guys, how we doing? So excited to be here for this one. So excited to have you. So pumped that you that you were able to get back on with us for this. And I mean, I know you're a big Boston Red Sox fan. That's right. Big Sox fan. You can't see my jersey that I'm wearing right now, but I have a Red Sox jersey and cap on for this pod episode. And I saw a Red Sox game six days ago, which was also awesome. My first live event post-COVID. Went up to Anaheim to see them play the Angels with our friend, college colleague, Marco Garbero. Shout out, Marco. Marco. But uh, yeah, it's just awesome to be back in a stadium, see my Sox win the game against the Angels. It was great. You know, those $5 hot dogs and beers. I mean, <laughs> willing to pay it this time. So I, just, I bet you were. Uh, just felt great to be back and got me really psyched for the pod, too. It's almost like you planned it that way. Just <laughs> a little a little pregame. Mike, you're a Red Sox fan too, right? You son of a bitch. I am, yeah. But you know, we both grew up in, in Yankee country for sure. And and I am, of course, the better fan. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm gonna go get my hat actually. Sit stay ahead, hold too. tight. I'm w i am I got to wear my hat. Paz is wearing fucking Red Sox gear, talking about the Red Sox winning. I got to get my Yankees hat and, and properly, right. you know, rep the rivalry. While he's getting the hat, I mean, shout out St. Louis. Great baseball town because they have less sports in Absolutely. general. Shout out Chicago. I used to live right next to Wrigley Field. Went to a ton of Cubs games and obviously the Sox. But, I mean, I don't think anything really compares to, to where, where we're from. I mean, the Sox, the Yankees, a lot of like double A, triple A clubs as well. Just very, you know, baseball is in our blood. New really Haven is. Ravens, baby. Yeah, Ravens, dude. And uh, Yard Goats, big shout out to Yard Goats. Boys, I've got my Yankees hat on. It's war. While you've got that on, let me remind you of the current standings where <laughs> the Red Sox are in first place in the LA. <laughs> Eight games over the Yankees. Incredible. Jesus Incredible. Christ. And it's yeah. all-star break starting tomorrow. So That's right, yeah. Got some work to do over there. Yeah, it's not pretty. We're, we're not that good this year. <laughs> the Yankees also, they dominate the, the movie circuit. There's a ton of they movies do. about the Yankees. It's insane, honestly. There are a lot of, I mean, I feel, feel like the Yankees were, you know, when baseball re- originated, I mean, obviously the Red Sox were a big team very early on and then had a drought for a long time. But the Yankees have kind of been a constant through the decades of having success. And yeah, I, I agree. Like a lot of these movies revolve around the Yankees. Yeah. It's funny. In a lot of the movies, the Yankees are like the team to beat, you know, it's, it's like Yankees number one, two, three, four, and five. And then like sixth would be like the black Sox scandal. I feel like those are the teams. <laughs> <of them. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's not that much, by the way, of qualifications. You know what's a baseball movie or not. No docs. And no is. docs. That is right. that is true. We said that. And, there's a lot uh, of good ones. A lot of good ones. Because if I would have picked Four Nights in October, yeah. oh, the Red Sox came back Fox? against the what Yankees. Happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you How dare you, Paz? How Down dare you? In the ALCS. Never been done before. And came back to beat the Yankees and then win their first World Series in 86 years. So, Whoa, awesome documentary. Incredible. You haven't seen the 30 for 30. I think it's called Four Nights in October. It's amazing. Yeah. Especially if you're a Boston fan. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and then, of course, they won again in our freshman year at BU. I'd like to think we had something to do with that. 
I slept on Lansdowne Street for Game One of the World Series for that. Yeah. I remember. Warwick and Andrew Remick. Shout out to Pat and Andrew. Wow, I remember when you did that. That was awesome. I I also stayed out there, but didn't end up getting a seat because I didn't actually sleep there. I just showed up in the morning, and it was like it was never going to happen. <laughs> but still, I'll never forget Game One. I mean, in, in the first inning of that Game One, it was was over from there basically. Do you yeah. guys remember that I always would wear my Yankees hat at school? Yeah, did you ever get the shit beat out of you? <laughs> I di- I didn't, but I was verbally like ta- taunted pretty badly a few times, and I haven't worn this hat in a long time just because it's very fucking beat up at this point. But it's on my head right now. That's the one I'm wearing. Well, I appreciate that you're here for the rivalry. We got to keep it. We got to keep it alive. We got to keep it alive, even though the Sox are doing better right now. A lot better. Should we jump into this, boys? Yeah, I think we've sufficiently had our rivalry banter. Yes, uh, we're in first place. Let's move. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, no. So I think I think we can let Posco first today, right, Dan? Yeah, let's have Posco first. Let's do it. So obviously, there's a lot of baseball movies. Very tough to weed this down to five. And there were a few that I wish I got to that I didn't end up getting to. So those might have been able to swap in, maybe, possibly. But this one's a classic either way. I mean, it would be hard to not have it on my top five also. And that movie is from 1988, Old Durham. Oh, I have it higher. Okay. We can wait to talk about them. Okay. Okay. I guess I'll, I'll take it next, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, same as Paz. I, this was tough. There were so many good ones, but you got to make the choices. And so here we are. And my number five is one that I actually was a little bit of a surprise for me personally. It was really good. And I, I wanted to include it, which is uh, 1984's The Natural. Great pick. I, I also have that higher. Okay. Wow. My, Mike is just... <laughs> We're we're getting over to Mike. Mike really wants to have his number five. <laughs> denied, right. denied everybody. I have just every denying movie people. in the tire. Oh my god! I'm just take over the pot. Um, well, actually, I'm a little bit worried because I'm pretty sure you're a fan of my number five town. So we may end up skipping them all together. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! That is uh, 2016's Everybody Wants Some. No, that's not on mine. Mm, okay, but that's a great pick. Uh, yeah, so 2016, this is a Richard Linklater movie, and it is about a, a baseball team in like 80s Texas, uh, which is, you know, Linklater, he played baseball at this time, he's from Texas, so it's, I don't want to say it's autobiographical, but, you know, pulling in the things that he knows. And I think it's, I think it's just a weekend, right? It's like the weekend of arriving on campus up to like their first day of classes and it kind of just hangs out with them um, in their house uh, as the baseball team as they sort of party and then get ready to go to school. And this movie, I wanted to put it on here because I think it may be a masterpiece. It may be even higher like on my list a few years from now because in so much as this story is worth telling, I feel like it does it incredibly well. You get to know the characters, you know, you get an amazing sense of place, sense of time, uh, super funny all the way throughout. Blake, Blake Jenner is great in it and Wyatt Russell is fucking hilarious in his role. Uh, a lot of people, you know, seem to react negatively to it because it's kind of, 
just a whole bunch of like straight white guys doing like straight white guy stuff. And I think some of that is overblown besides the fact that, you know, that's also what makes it authentic. But yeah, I just think this is, this is a great, great hangout movie. Uh, really funny. And, and yeah, I think this is going to grow on me even more in the years to come. I've actually never seen that movie. I had heard about it. Um, never didn't get to watch it. Um, but now I'm very excited to see it. Cause if you're saying it's, uh, Oh, possibly you have to then it's on my list now, especially as someone that's played sports, you know, uh, on different teams, like in your life that there's a definite, like it captures the vibe of like being on a team at sort of any level that I think you really enjoy. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Mike, I am going to be honest. This may have been the one baseball movie that somehow slipped my radar in all of my research for this episode. And I do not know how, as you're right. I saw this in theaters, loved it. Love Linklater, obviously. And this is such a fucking fun movie. Wow. This is such a great pick. And I'm so happy that you did it. This is, yeah, it's it's really, really fun. And... I've already told you three movies on my list. So whatever you guys have coming up, I probably can't steal it. <laughs> we hope. We we'll hope. see. I guess we're at number four. Okay. And it's boss. All right. Well, let's see if you guys have this one or not. But uh, my number four um, is also a classic. A lot of people know it and probably grew up with this. I threw it back a little bit. Uh, Mike, you'll like that. Uh, it is from 1976, and that is Bad News Bears. Oh, yeah. Not on my list, but very high on my honorables. Not on my list either, but also an honorable. Awesome. So I had seen like parts of this when I was younger, and I rewatched it for this pod, and I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it was just like a great movie. I mean, Walter Matthau kills it as Coach Mutter- Buttermaker. It's basically this drunk who starts to coach his Little League team. Uh, you know, he's like cracking beers at the field in his car. He's pouring whiskey in his drink on the, yeah, uh, in the, in the very opening scene. He's pouring Jim Bean into his beer. Can. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. In his car. That's the first scene. Um, you know, the teams, obviously the little background, the teams totally dysfunctional little league team. There's no like discipline. And when he first starts coaching them, he doesn't really care at all. He's just kind of there to make money. But you know, as the, as the movie goes on, I mean, you just see, you know, he starts to bond with the kids. He starts to, uh, he, I think his background was he was a minor league pitcher. So he talks about, uh, you know, playing with Ted Williams. And, you know, at one point he does like a flashback about he's talking about playing with Ted Williams. And then it actually flash forwards to him, like wasted on the mound with a case of beer and he passes out on the field. So <laughs> the kids there. Um, so it's just like, it's a very funny movie. It has a lot of those, you know, it's kind of like remind me of like, an old, like a Caddyshack, you know, back in the day, where it just had, you know, a lot of humor built in with the sport. You know, obviously it's, it revolves around a Little League team. But even, I mean, the kid actors in the movie were excellent. Uh, there's a lot of great personalities on the team. You know, they end up, um, you know, getting this this kid who's kind of the punk, rides his motorcycle around the field and on the field. They end up recruiting him for the team because he's like one of the best players around. Um yeah, so he ends up joining the team. He's an amazing actor. Then Jackie Earl Haley is his name. Um, there's also the girl named Tatum O'Neill in real life. Yeah. Amanda is her name in the movie. She's got like a killer arm. And I guess it was uh, the daughter of this girl that Coach Buttermaker used to date. 
So again, it's got a lot of humor. It does have some emotional moments with Walter Matthau too, where he bonds with the kids. And I just thought it was so well done. Uh, you know, great acting, especially for the, the younger kids who, you know, had to be, I don't know, 12, 13, or, you know, 14 when they filmed this. But, you know, there's some great personalities. Uh, you got the one kid who's kind of like a tough guy. You know, he's, I think he says at one point, look, you crud, just get back to your beer. <laughs> to the coach, he's just... Uh, you know, pushes back on him because he sees he's just kind of a drunk. But but over time, you know, they, they become, you know, they mesh together. They get better, you know, as a team. Obviously, they recruit those, um, the biker kid and the, the girl with the strong arm. So they end up competing for the championship against the Yankees. Um, you know, the other Little League team that blew them out in the first game. So they, you know, end up playing in the, the final championship game against them. But uh but yeah, overall, just a great, I just thought it was a very entertaining movie. A lot of fun moments. Uh, you know, it's just Walter Matthau kills it as like kind of the drunk coach. But, um, you know, it's all, it's just got great acting all around. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a classic. Definitely worth seeing. I had never seen this actually until this week. And it was cracking me up, man. Like, it's very of the time and... Yeah, I love it. I just him just him cracking beers the whole fucking time is just it, that right there just is hilarious. The ending's hilarious. It's all great. It's just it's a great movie. It is a great pick. The thing that really sticks out about it is like it's not really a kids movie. Like no. think, like right. it's little league obviously, but like they're throwing around racial slurs. Like it's it's getting really dark like in terms of like the the kid like sort of neglect and abuse. Like it's it has that sort of 70s uh, weight and greediness to it as well. Like I, I, it's nothing like if you've seen the, the remake, it's, it's really nothing like that. I don't even know if I've seen, I think I've seen parts of the remake, but yeah, I mean, it, like Justin said, it's like, you know, of the times of the seventies, yeah. you know, they kind of just like let things go. And yeah, there's a lot of like alcohol and like kids, kids drinking alcohol at one point. And then there's, you know, yeah, the abuse of dad on the other team and, yeah, there's some definitely racy things in the movie, but at the same time, you know, it just it adds to the character in a way um, might not be accepted these days. But yeah, it's hilarious totally. how it's put together. I loved those simpler times of of, of open racism in kids' movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Of just just being able to drink beer while you're coaching. Maybe give the kids a couple sips. It's no big deal. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyways, that's a great number four, number four. All right. My number four is actually another film that I just saw for the first time this week that I'd meant to see for a long time and was, was very much, uh, a fan and had to include it. And that is 1989's major league. I have it higher. I can't believe you've never seen it before too. I know. I have it, I have it higher. You have it higher. Okay. Okay. Wow. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to give it back to you, Tim, because my number four is the natural. Hey, I'll, I'll introduce it and then I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, so Thanks, this is 84, uh, directed by Barry Levinson starring a great cast. I mean, it's mostly Robert Redford, but Robert Duvall is big in it. And then slightly smaller roles for Glenn Close, Kim Bessinger, uh, Wilford Brimley and a, a really tiny role for Barbara Hershey. Uh, yeah, town, go ahead. Your thoughts, natural. Yeah. So this another one. First time I ever saw it this week. Um, and it just right from the beginning feels like a classic. 
the story from I don't know, like Mike, when you when you watch this, and this happens with a few baseball movies, I'll say, just because it is such an American pastime. But I really felt like I was watching just like such a fucking like American pastime type movie that was giving me all the nostalgia and feels. You mean you mean you felt it was about America when a lightning strike hit a tree and then he carved the tree into a baseball bat <laughs> and said that said Wonder Boy. Incredible Wonder Boy. Oh man. Ah, uh, yes, exactly, exactly. Anyways, no, but Roy Hobbs, it it really is a great story. Like from that beginning to just then him getting shot. And then getting into the main plot line where it's 16 years later and he gets signed to this this team that's in last place and where it goes from there. I mean, Mike, do we want to say much more from there? Uh, no, I think we better leave it. In case yeah. So it, so pretty much like the intro is that he like it sort of inherits this. We'll say this natural talent um, and is very good at baseball. And he meets this legendary baseball player on a train and he bets against him that he can strike him out on three pitches. He does it. And then this woman who sort of this mysterious woman who he meets ends up shooting Hobbs and it's 16 years later and he gets his life hasn't gone quite how he thought. But he's finally signed to a to a team and the movie takes off from there. And there's a lot, a few twists and turns, but it's just. It's just great. It's just a good movie. It feels like just a classic, you know, old school. I know it's in the 80s, but like 70s, 80s, like all American tale. Yeah, I I would. If you don't like this movie, if you've seen it and you don't like it, I totally understand because it's it's pretty inconsistent. There's a lot of clunky moments in there that don't really work, um, but it's such a good story and you're so clearly rooting for Robert Redford and the ending is like, it's one of the cheesiest things you could ever possibly imagine, which <laughs> yeah. like for me is great, but if you were like, this is too much, I could also understand that. Same. It didn't make my top five, but it's like right there. It's like right off the list where it is. Everything you guys are saying is true. I mean, I, I do think it's a great movie. It has so many like nostalgic moments. I do think that maybe that's why it didn't totally do it for me. Like it's a it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. And I think that like everything you're saying, it has um, so much like nostalgia and it's just a great story. And I think it is like a true story for at least it's based on a true story. But yeah, I think there were just also these like little moments in there where it didn't feel like totally fluid um, throughout the movie. And I don't know, maybe that just I, I probably needed to rewatch it and I didn't get to rewatch it either for this pod. So, but yeah, it's definitely right. My honorables, top honorables for sure. Pause. I feel like you're right on the money with how I feel as well, because I debated it. I was like, it's either going to be like my first honorable or number five. And I ended up slotting it in because while I don't necessarily think it's the most rewatchable film, I think like if it's been a while and you put it on, whether it's your first time. And then I feel like if there's some pauses in time and then you put it again, it's just a movie. Ah, that's a good movie. Like that's a good movie. 
but yeah, I was I was I was impressed with this one. I was impressed with this one. So that's pass year number three coming up. Okay, well then we can bring it back to 1989's Major League. Hey! So basically, the the background is that the new owner of the Cleveland Indians, uh, she inherits the team. She's like a Vegas ex Vegas showgirl. Um, basically, doesn't care about baseball at all. So she hates Cleveland. Wants to move the team to Miami but she needs the attendance to be low enough to get out of their contract with the city. So she tries to put together this patchwork of a team with all these has-beens or rookies or scrubs like no one's heard of. And with that comes a lot of great characters that make the movie hilarious. Uh, so you have Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, young Wesley Snipes, Dennis Habert, who was the president in 24. Who Hell was. Yeah plays Serrano was like, I mean, there's just so many good characters in this movie that are hilarious. Uh, you know, Tom Berenger's kind of like kind of an old washed up catcher was in like Mexico minor league team just because that's where you could play still. Charlie Sheen was like in prison when they called him to go to spring training and got in a fight or, or I forget what, how he got into jail, but there's just a lot of great, uh, characters and it. it just makes for a really funny movie i just thought this was like so well done i mean it revolves around you know, obviously a major league team the cleveland indians um but they they find motivation by finding out you know that the owner wants them to lose so then they start to rally together and you know the coach is hilarious too the guy who plays lou brown is their coach wesley snipes wasn't even invited to spring training and he just shows up and wants to play on the team and willie mays hayes, willie mays hayes. <laughs> So he's like really fast, but he's not that great at hitting, you know, Rick Vaughn, who's Charlie Sheen's character. Obviously, he's just like this badass who was in prison and shows up on like the motorcycle with like this crazy haircut and cut sleeves. And, you know, so he's he's like the fireball pitcher who could throw really hard, but has no control. Um, so then Tom Berenger's character is the catcher, takes him kind of under his wing but there's just like a lot of good references and even some that are still relevant today. And this happened in a couple other movies too, but you know, the pitcher, the other pitcher Harris on the team, uh, you know, at one point he's like, haven't got an arm like yours, got to put anything on it. I can find, and he's got all the substances all over his skin. So he's got like Crisco, he's got Vagisil, he's got like Vaseline. (laughs) (laughs) And the funny thing is right now in the MLB, they just recently implemented a rule where they're starting to like inspect pitchers between innings and fine people up to 10 games if they're caught with any foreign substances. So it's just funny that this is still a thing that's done in baseball. It's kind of like one of those unwritten rules of baseball that they're starting to crack down now, but this is 1989, right? So that was over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes up in a couple other movies, but that was a scene I, I thought was funny and relevant to today. You know, it was obviously like the love interest is, you know, uh, Tom Berger's character, Jake Taylor, he, his old love interest, Lynn, is in town with this other guy, and she's trying. he's trying to, like, woo her. Serrano is, like, the power hitter who defected from Cuba. He's got all this, like, you know, uh, Joe Boo, he's a religious shrine for his voodoo in his locker, which, <laughs> uh, you know, he's... Uh... Dude, how, how crazy, Poss, is it that... He, that... Dennis Haber, just how young he is in this. Yeah, it's insane. But, I know. And then that he just is President Palmer, like, what was it? I think it's like 12, 13 years later. 
and just looks so different. It's so true. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of good people. Even Bob Euchre, who's like a famous announcer, I think for the Brewers, but he plays the Indians announcer in this, and he's just like drinking while he's broadcasting. Yeah, it's a bit outside. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a bit outside. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just a classic movie. It's hilarious. Uh, again, final league championship game against the Yankees. Yeah. Um, because they're the evil team. Oh, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, it's just like all around. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you have to. If you like comedies, it's just like a hilarious movie. Um, but obviously, it has a lot of great baseball moments too, and a lot of the quirks of baseball, which I really liked about it too. Yeah, it's it's such a such a fucking fun movie. Really dives into a lot of different aspects of baseball, and yeah, Renee Russo as the love interest is great. I feel like she. This is like the beginning of her just popping into so many movies for a slew of years. But, uh, dude, Tom Berenger's so good in this. I love him yeah. in this. He's fantastic. Everyone's so great in this. But, yeah, he really killed it. And I don't want to say it took me by surprise, but just this is obviously one of his biggest roles, and he he really killed it. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe I had never seen this either, gents. And it was thoroughly entertaining and definitely one of my one of my favorites in the in the genre after finishing and you guys have pretty much said it but yeah great comedy and this is really one of the best out there at capturing that that the feel of the locker room obviously mm-hmm. it's exaggerating yeah. things for humor um, but there's so many little characters and the com- camaraderie and relationship between them uh, just makes this movie all right so that was number three for pos major league Taking it over to me, I'm taking us to 2001, to a longtime favorite of mine, and that is Hardball. Wow. This is high. This is high for Hardball. Hey, I love Hardball, and I stand by it. Keanu Reeves, the one and only, pretty much what the the plot's about is Keanu Reeves plays this guy, Connor O'Neill. He's a gambler. And he's in debt with a couple bookies. He ends up getting roped in to sort of help repay his debts to, you know, he he has to coach this baseball team. They're in Chicago. It's sort of these like pretty young group of kids from like these, like pretty much they're, they all live in like these housing projects. And he starts this, of course, it's your classic story where, you know, he doesn't want to do it at first, really. He ends up, of course, getting attached to the kids. And Diane Lane's there as the love interest. It's got it's got a lot, a lot of good, funny moments, a lot of heart. It's definitely one that I watched when I was, you know, a t- like a, t- a teenager, young teenager, and really liked, and I feel like anyone around that age would love it. And I've rewatched it as well, and in, in recent years, and still really loved it. And of course, I won't say exactly what it is. There's there's just a heartbreaking moment later in the film that just I'll never forget. I whenever I think of sort of tragic moments in film, I always think of this moment. Great speech by Keanu. Could have been in our speech episode. Oh, my God. I mean, and anything for me, Keanu is one of my favorites of all time. Anything with him is, is a treat. And this is, uh, this is a little something different for him. There's, you know, he likes to do a lot of different things. He gets to coach a baseball team in here, and I love it. I'm here for it. We also, of course, had him in our football episode because the replacements. 
So the man is a man of many talents. I love this fucking phone. G-Baby, baby. I love it when you call me Big Papa. You know, it's funny. I, I totally forgot about this movie when I was thinking about baseball movies somehow. Because I do mm-hmm. love this movie, too, and I haven't seen it in years. And that that emotional moment you're talking about definitely stands out for me, too. Like I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a classic movie, and Keanu does kill it as the coach. And um, It's just like a, yeah, it's like a heartwarming movie, but then it has like the tragedy. But it's such a good movie. Yeah, I, I want to like this one a lot more than I do. I rewatched it this week and it was it just didn't you. really work so much for me. Uh, but yeah, in the end is, or yeah, that moment that is sort of near the end is obviously is great. And Keanu is great in this, this big speech that he delivers. I like the chemistry between him and Diane Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will also just mention, just as like a funny aside, I can't even tell you how many times I would like come home from school and turn on the TV and see that Hardball was on. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'll watch Hardball. But then it was always Hardball with Chris Matthews, that, like, political talk show. It probably happened to like, 200 <laughs> times while I was in high school. And so, like, I, I always watch it, but that's what I think about, that damn Chris Matthews. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I think this is an underrated film. Did you say that Michael B. Jordan? I don't think we mentioned it. Very no, young oh, my God, I did oh, not mention it. Wow. And I, yes, he is in it. Very young, very young. And I also forgot to mention John Hawks, who's in it. He's great as well. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. But yeah, I, oh, my God. Young Michael B. Jordan. He's so young. Don't want to say what happens to him, but he's a key character. He is. He is indeed. Um, But yeah, that's number three. Hardball. Okay. My number three, uh, another recent one. I'm not sure if you guys will have seen it. This is 2016 again, and it is called The Phenom. Hmm. No, I haven't seen I've, that one. I've never okay. heard of it. This this is uh, written and directed by Noah Bichel, who's like tiny independent filmmaker. I think he's done seven films in total. Um, and it is starring Johnny Simmons, Ethan Hawke, and Paul Giamatti. What a cast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. I mean, he makes small films, Noah, but like obviously he's you know he's well respected, especially in New York, and he's able to pull some names. Um, so Johnny Simmons is a young. He's like one of the top pitching prospects in the country. It follows his career like a little bit over a shorter course of time, like from high school to sort of like being drafted kind of thing. Um, but he's like one of the top pitching prospects in the country. And he's, you know, feeling the pressure of dealing with that. Ethan Hawke is his dad, who's kind of like a, I don't know, like a Marv Marinovich character uh, that's like really pushes his kid to be like the best that he could possibly be, sometimes too far. And kind of the main format of the movie, or or I should say what ties it all together, is that he, Johnny Simmons, is seeing a sports psychologist. Um, and that's played by Paul Giamatti. So instead of, you know, a lot of these sports movies, you you have to imagine what these players are going through and the emotions that they feel. In this one, he's able to tell you kind of everything that he's processing um, as a young kid with like all of this on his shoulders. And it's um, yeah, it's it's really sort of intimate in that way, and you really get a lot more out of it than than I expected to for sure. I mean, the the overbearing dad thing is something that's kind of been played out, but really getting to see. Um, how that frames his relationship with, you know, his psychologist, his girlfriend, his mom, 
um, his coach, you know, just kind of how he approaches life. Um, you, they really, you get a lot out of this. There's a lot of meaning, great character study. Um, and this is one that after you watch it, definitely you'll, you'll think about it for, for a while after because there's a lot baked into uh, just a 90-minute film. I'm I'm intrigued. I've I, I I've never heard of this. This is a classic Mike pick, except instead of being super old, it's new. <laughs> that doesn't sixteen. I feel the same way. I've never I've never heard of it either. But it sounds very interesting, and it's like a cool perspective to have too um, on like the player's psyche and you know their their internal thoughts, I guess, of what's going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm interested to look check that out. And and on that it's it's even it's even a little bit ahead of its time I would say I know it's only five years old but I feel like a sports psychologist is you know a lot more popular today than it was even just five years ago and kind of players mental health and kind of opening up about that and and you know taking that step towards like getting help and kind of you know saying that it's okay and then being kind of a representative of that there's a lot of that baked in here as well which is interesting very cool very cool so that's number three. And now it's time for number two. Yeah, this is where it got very tough for me. The top two movies on my list probably could have went with either one for number one, but I had to make some tough decisions. And number two, I landed on the 1989 film Field of Dreams. Wow. Great pick. All right. So we have Kevin Costner, Ray Liotta, and James Earl Jones are kind of the main cast in this one so Kevin Costner owns this farm with his family in Iowa you know he talks in the movie about how he has strained relationship with his dad when he was younger and he you know basically left left Iowa for a long time and his dad ended up passing away while he was gone so he you know he had some regrets about things he said to him whatever but Kevin Costner starts hearing voices in his cornfields you know that they're telling him to do things essentially you know it's First one he hears it is, is if you build it, he will come. Uh, some of these are timeless quotes that most people who know this movie will know these. But, you know, basically Ray, who is Kevin Costner's character, his dad, uh, his dad's hero is Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was involved in that 1919 White Sox uh, scandal where they basically cheated and threw the series to lose the World Series. So they got banned from baseball. Um, so shoeless Joe Jackson was Ray's dad's hero. So essentially, you know, he builds his field and then the ghost of shoeless Joe Jackson, who is played by Ray Liotta, comes back to Iowa to his baseball field. I don't want to give away the whole movie, but ends up going on this, um, this adventure essentially where Kevin Costner is hearing, you know, these different things that he feels like he has to do. You know, it, it feels like it's something that he can't explain, but there's it's more than just him hearing voices. Like at one point, him and his wife had the same exact dream about the next step of what he has to do, which is like to go to Fenway Park where the Red Sox play um, and meet this guy, Terrence Mann, who's played played by James Earl Jones, even though Terrence Mann's a writer. And there's only kind of one detail about him being connected to baseball in any way. He had these dreams as a kid or he wanted to play at Ebbets Field. So it's a lot of the story follows Ray trying to track down um, Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones's character, and then they end up connecting and then trying to go find this other guy. Um, but essentially, you know, it's 
it's more of a heartfelt movie. You know, it's got a lot of emotional moments. You know, they have, you call them ghosts. A couple times the, the ghosts or the ex Chicago White Sox player asks if they're in heaven, you know, so it's, story where you're trying to figure out like what are the voices who are the voices coming from and then yeah i don't i don't know if i should give away too many things about the movie even though it is 30 something years old but um yeah he has an emotional moment with his father that um you know definitely touches me too because i my dad passed a few years back and so when i rewatched this and heard you know dad you want to have a catch you know it's just like a famous scene and um, you know, choked me up rewatching it too. And it's just such a good feel good movie. Um, you know, it's got a lot of this baseball nostalgia we talked about earlier. Um, cause that's a big theme about, you know, he asked, he builds this corn, this baseball field in place of his cornfield. He has to tear up some of the cornfield to have this baseball field. And essentially he's could lose his, his farm because he can't afford to pay the bills now because he doesn't have a full crop. Mm-hmm. So he's going on faith, essentially, that he's doing the right thing and that this all will serve a purpose. So it's really, I mean, I, I had seen it a few years ago and I rewatched it this week and it, it still gets me. It's still just such a good heartfelt movie. You know, it's a great like adventure he goes on and the characters they bring in. Um, you know, you see this this change in all these in all these people, like these transitions that they have in their personal lives. Um, you know, on how this baseball field just kind of touches them. They touch on the fact about nostalgia and like by building this field, people will just show up and act like, you know, they could just show up at the game and they'll pay you just to show up at this field and they don't know why. And it's all about those intangibles of baseball that, you know, at least I played baseball when I was a kid. So it's just like this, un- there's something about baseball, you know, that nostalgia factor that, you know, as time passes on, it's always there. It's always something that you can connect with, at least if you're, you know, from the U.S. I think it's just like America's pastime. So it, you just really connect with it, especially, I mean, I found that I played it from T-ball through high school. And, you know, it's a big part of my life, obviously, as a fan now, too, the Red Sox. But, you know, there is something, like, intangible about baseball. And this movie really connects you with that. Yeah, this is this is an all time classic. I this was sadly like the one movie I wanted to get to this week that it just didn't happen. And like it very well could have been in my top five, I think, had I gotten there. Um, So I'm very glad you got it in. Like my dad loved this movie, I remember. But it's just one of those. It's one of those like all of our all of our all of our dads, I'm sure, loved it. And it just really captures that spirit of how special baseball is. You you said it best, boss. You said it all. And like Kevin Costner is in a lot of fucking baseball movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really is. He's the king of sports movies. He loves baseball too. He yeah. really does. He really, really does. And any movie with James Earl Jones is a win. And and James Earl Jones and Ray Liotta are incredible in this. In in smaller yeah. roles, they're incredible. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. They really are. That's a. Uh, I'm so glad you have this, since yeah. since Mike and I don't, and this is this has to be a part of any conversation about the best baseball movies. So great pick. Just to throw in a fun fact before we move on, they're actually hosting a Field of Dreams game. If you didn't know that, they built a Field of Dreams field next to the site in Iowa where this Field of Dreams like movie set was made. They actually built it on a farm in Iowa for the movie, and they've preserved it over the years. 
they built a field for Major League Baseball to play this season. So the game is Thursday, August 12th, and it's going to hold 8,000 people, and it's the White Sox versus the Yankees, which is the two teams in the movie. So, I don't know, it's just cool, like, fun fact that Major League Baseball is actually trying to do a game at the site of, you know, in Dyersville, Iowa, um, you know, next to the movie set. Wow, that's unbelievable, Poss. I did not know they were doing that. Yeah, I can send you guys the links. There's a couple uh, links about the game and details. And, yeah, and it's please August do. August 12th, the season. August 12th, amazing. Um, wow, great number two. Okay. My number two is a film that, that I love quite a bit and uh, debated where to put it on the list. Very happy with where it, where it landed, and that is... 2011's Moneyball. Oh, nice. I didn't know you were a big fan of this. I am indeed. Neither of you guys have it? No, this is another one that didn't make my top five, but I do love this movie. Yeah, high on the honorables for sure. Yeah, this one, I love this movie. I rewatched it this week. It really honestly hit me even more. It's just fantastic. It's Brad Pitt. It plays the lead role. Uh, Jonah Hill also plays a big role in this film. Uh, was written partly by Aaron Sorkin and another guy, Steven Zalian. We've got Philip Seymour Hoffman in here, a uh, relatively young Chris Pratt, and some other great people as well in here. Uh, Robin writes, Robin writes in this. But anyways, Moneyball. It's uh, based on a true story. It's based on a book, but that said has the same name. Moneyball came out in two thousand three, but it's about the Oakland Athletics two thousand and two season. And their their general manager, Billy Bean, and his like pretty much he does he takes a very different approach to try to come up with like a very competitive team. Pretty much how it starts is you watch the A's in the in the 2001 season go down against the Yankees in in the in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he is trying to figure, you know, make some moves in the in the offseason. And he ends up meeting Peter Brand, who's played by Jonah Hill. He's really young. He's got another job uh, somewhere else. And he ends up taking him, makes him the makes him the assistant general manager. And he loves his the way that Jonah Hill's character decides how you're going to get value out of players and who you're going to try to pick up and it goes from there but it's just it's it's a different like type of baseball film for sure than a lot of the ones we've talked about already it's a bit more of like a a real life drama but it's just so well done like i really like the way that the score of the film complements the movie there's there's sort of a although it isn't a nostalgic movie the score gives me a bit of a nostalgic feel and I don't know, it's just so well done. This is sort of where Jonah Hill broke out and became a serious act. You know, he could be in serious films. Um, Brad Pitt's great. I mean, when isn't he? But he's great in this. And it's, uh, I mean, it's always a pleasure to get to see some Philip Seymour Hoffman on screen. But but this one, it, it's just really good movie. Uh, yeah, this is a pretty well-regarded movie. Uh, obviously, it comes from a book, but I mean, the... The two great characters, uh, and then you know, the concept of this movie is just like it's so present now. Like this is a one hundred percent accepted idea. Every team in every sport uses 
something along the lines of you know the feeling that comes out of this movie uh so it's, it's culturally really interesting um and yeah two two great characters um obviously you know we know from real life that it didn't fully work out for the a's but the principles uh are cool to see in this way mm-hmm. yeah and i think uh, like for me it was just yeah this movie takes a different uh perspective on yeah the baseball movies we talked about but also this it ties into i think we talked before the park had started about the different eras of baseball and you know it, it is a pastime it's such an you know america's pastime and so with that some of it comes like you know baseball's always been done a certain way and this is when baseball kind of got challenged on that a little bit right cuz like all these you know performance metrics started to get measured and like statistics started to become used more and more in the game so did alter the game whether you know and i think what this movie shows is you know this is the a's were kind of the the test group the test team to try this extreme uh method out of challenging the baseball norm and using statistics to really drive which players they're going to pick and what their goal is going to be on the team and i think they even mentioned at the end of the movie about how the Red Sox actually implemented something similar and it, you know, eventually led to the first world series we had in, you know, 86 years. Um, but they use a similar mentality of finding guys who could get on base more. And it was all about just like on base percentage. And, you know, so it's a different way of looking at the game where some of the, uh, the things that may attract the fans more are, Oh, hit the home runs and have the big plays. So it's exciting. Whereas this may be considered more boring if you want to call it that, but it's, it's you're doing the little things in baseball to just move runners and score runs at the bottom line. And you use statistics to drive those decisions. Um, so I, I just thought it was a very interesting take on, and I think they show some of the old school scouts that they have on the team. Yep. You know, they're like baseball's not done this way, but yeah, it, it is, it has changed the game and the game today does use metrics all the time. All these, all these statistics that are at the hand of, batters and pitchers every game now that never used to be the case when you know early in the 1900s it was just go out and hit the ball and this pitcher is going to throw it you just try to hit it and it was a much simpler game and over the years it just keeps evolving and i think bill james who they mentioned in the movie he was the original one who came up with this like statistics theory about baseball and scoring runs and you know, so this was kind of building on that idea and actually implementing it with the team at the major league level. And yeah, you said, I mean, the A's didn't end up winning in the playoffs, um, but that the mentality in this movie is still used today. Um, so yeah, it was a very interesting take and the, the acting was great in the movie too. You know, I think Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill both did a great job. You know, some of the other actors you mentioned, Chris Pratt and Richard Seymour Hoffman. I mean, they were all good in it too. I, I do love this movie a lot. Um, and they did, yeah, the scoring was really good in the movie too. I just thought, you know, the music builds up, it did add to the drama of it. Um, especially when they go on that win streak, I remember they have like the 20 wins in a row or whatever that season, um, which was also just an incredible feat in today's game to do, to accomplish. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah. I love this one. So Moneyball number two, Mike, what, what, what do you got? Um, okay. My number two, uh, I'm not sure if you guys will have seen this either. This is, <laughs> Here we go, Foss. Here we go. Maybe, maybe you have. I don't know. This is, uh, it's not one of the classics. Let's put it that way. This is a uh, 2008 Sugar. I actually wanted to see this. I saw 
when I was looking up baseball movies, I saw this and it looked intriguing, but I didn't end up watching it. Yeah, I haven't seen this either. Okay, so this is uh, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden's film. They're like a sort of writing-directing duo, you could say. Um, yeah, 2008, um, and Sugar is like the nickname of the main character in this movie, who's Miguel Santos is his character name, and he's a pitcher um, from the Dominican. And this is all about, um, it's it's fictional, but this is all about kind of the life of, you know, being uh, brought up as a prospect in the Dominican Republic and then being brought over to the States um, to play minor league baseball. And this is obviously something that's a huge part of the game uh, and institutionalized in a way now that certainly it wasn't, you know, years and years ago. Um, but, you know, there's so many guys in, in whether from the Dominican or other places, um, there's so many guys that are kind of raised in this similar um, environment and they come over and, you know, they don't really know anybody. They most times don't speak the language, um, you know, and they're really putting everything, um, all their hopes, all their dreams, um, everything for their family um, on their ability to succeed um, in the minors and make it all the way up to the majors, which is an extremely rare feat for anybody, never mind these young kids that are just being thrust into this atmosphere. I think what's... What's really great about this is one, it it doesn't really take like when you're watching this every like 15 minutes, you're kind of like, okay, I've seen this story. Uh, this has like a very Disney feel to it, and you kind of think this is gonna happen, and that that never happens. I'm not saying it ends like in a bad way or like a dark way, but it never takes that like kind of easy way, um, showing only success that you get from a lot of sports movies. Um, and two is just that in a very short amount of time in terms of like the timeline of this kid's life, you get to see so many different relationships that, that, that he gets into from, you know, growing up in the Dominican, being around different minor league teams, you know, the people he meets in the States that are like his friends. Um, and I won't say like where the story goes from there, but he has so many tiny relationships with people that reveal, um, you know, something about the struggle that he has puts you in his shoes and then also him as a character. So you get a ton of depth um, on him as a person and it's just a, a lot in there um, that you get because it, it follows him over the course of, let's say like a year or so. Very cool. Sounds like a really cool concept. You know, there's a lot of players now who are from these, you know, Dominican or, uh, you know, other countries who have kind of affected here or gone through like, quite the journey to make it to the major leagues. And, you know, I'm sure that would be a very interesting perspective to watch. I'm actually really excited to watch that movie. Yeah, I definitely am, am very intrigued to check this one out. Another classic Mike pick. I love it. I love it. We live for these. And it's, I was just going to say, um, there is a, there's a, a documentary called ball player Pelotero, which is is not the, by the same people, but it's sort of been described as kind of related to this movie. It's kind of the documentary view of the same situation. That's also also really good. Didn't consider it for this list because it's a doc, but yeah, like like you said, boss. I mean, a lot of players are coming up this way now, so it's a topic that uh, really worth exploring. Very cool. Are we there, boys? We're at number one. Wow. Very excited, boss. What is your number one? You know, I'm hoping, I don't think you have it, but I think maybe Justin might. We'll see. I might. I might. Um, 
but this again, I you know, Field of Dreams was up there as my number two. I was torn with Field of Dreams in this movie, but this one for me, I rewatched it again this you know a week ago, and it just still hit hit me so hard. And that is 1993's The Sandlot. Yep, that's that's the only right answer, Pass. I mean, I I just like couldn't not put it. It's so I didn't even need Justin, to. You're there too. I'm there too, and I'm gonna let you start. All I'm gonna say is, this is the one film. Before we even started the list, there was no question. It was number one. One of the fucking greatest movies of all time. Take it away, boss. Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, The Sandlot, basically the idea, the basics behind the movie are that this kid moves to town. You know, it's like the early 60s backdrop. Moves to a new town. He's trying to meet friends. Finds out that these local kids play baseball at this park they call The Sandlot. You know, he doesn't really know how to play baseball that well. You, you know, he can barely throw at the beginning of the movie. You know, there's a lot of references to the baseball. You know, there's I think the first scene they're talking about legends. They reference the 1932 World Series with Babe Ruth calling a shot. And there's a lot of Babe Ruth ref- references in this and all of his nicknames, Colossus of Clout, Sultan Swat. Um, but anyway, so. Gambino. Yeah. <laughs> so Smalls is that uh, the new kid who moves to town. Um, so Benny Rodriguez lives across the street. Benny the Jet. Benny the Jet. He earns that nickname during the movie. But uh, yeah, so Benny's, you know, he's trying to be friendly. He, he invites him to go play with the other kids, even though they're not really warming up to him at first. But they only have eight kids on the team at the time. So they really need nine so they can play like, you know, of all the positions. But they basically just go to this field and practice and play all the time and they just have a true passion for the game uh it's just this childhood passion of baseball which i had myself too and i think that that feeds into why i love this movie so much too because i used to do the same thing playing at my park behind my house with my brothers and so there's just so there's so many parts to this movie once i was watching it again i'm also amazed you guys had a podcast a couple weeks ago uh what was the Oh, top five songs in movies podcasts. Okay. And I didn't hear the Sandlot on there, even as an honorable mention. So I need to make sure to call out a couple of these songs that the instant I hear them go to this movie. Wow. The first one, um, which I was trying to see if I could outdate Justin on the song, but it was first played as a song in 1910. So I didn't quite outdate the song, but America the Beautiful and they do the 4th of July scene, oh. fireworks going off to light up the field that the kids are playing on. Man, it just gets me every time. It, like, you know, you talk about America's pastime. That's that's it. When I see that scene, it's like set early 60s America with the fireworks going off, 4th of July, playing baseball under the lights of the fireworks. I mean, how can you do that? If if you if, when I think Fourth of July in a movie, that is the scene I think of. Yeah. So oh. that that got me, and then a couple other songs. So Wipeout. When I hear Wipeout play, I can't not think of Benny the Jet outrunning the Beast. Oh, I haven't even sorry. mentioned the Beast yet. So the Beast is this mythical creature who lives behind the Sandlot, behind the left field fence. That obviously, from the kids' perspective, you know, is exaggerated <laughs> to a point. Um, but it's all about, you know, they end up losing a ball over the fence that's autographed by Babe Ruth and, 
he, he didn't know it when he borrowed the ball at the time. Sometimes these adventures of the kids trying to get the baseball back from over the fence where the beast lives. Um, but anyway, every time I hear Wipeout, I think of being the jet outrunning the beast. Amazing. And then the song Tequila. When Tequila comes on. Yes. You know, the carnival. And they're all, they, they think they're cool and they're trying to emulate big league players and, you know, the, the dipping chew at the at the carnival and they all end up throwing up all over the place because 12 and <laughs> wow those are all such great fucking shout outs so a lot of great songs in that movie that needs an audible mention in your other podcast episode but wow anyway Amen. classic movie justin i'll let you take it from there you've 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 nailed some of the scenes that are just iconic and i of course wendy peppercorn and the kiss from uh who who is it squints um of course so many lines you're killing me smalls there's of course uh the part with but you bob apples from your mom's toilet but then it all of course ends you play ball like a girl right just yeah that's a banter of like yeah they're they're ragging on the other team shows up in the field and they go back and forth and Oh, it's great. It's so good. And of course, the one and only James Earl Jones is in this as well. The man just yep. has graced a couple of the greatest baseball films of all time. And uh, yeah, this film just screams childhood, screams nostalgia. And whenever I watch it, which is pretty often compared to other films, it just brings you back. It it makes you think of Summers as a kid, whether or not exactly what they're doing is relatable. Some part of it will be. And there's something special about it. The chemistry between the kids is just so good. And some of the hijinks that they get themselves into are just hilarious. The whole thing with the beast is of course, fantastic. Just being this like monster to the kids and, of course, that's not really how it is in real life. And yeah, the lines and the and the scenes that were born out of this film that have sort of gone down in in history, at least in terms of a cult classic, at the least, it's it's unbelievable how many things from this movie I could call out. And at least anyone in our age range would know exactly what you're talking about. Just a just a wonderful coming of age film. I think I think Poss, your one and two are probably the best movies at just capturing that that something special mm-hmm. about baseball, you know, yeah. and just like getting your friends together. I mean, obviously not now that I live in the UK, but basically every other time in my life, if I ever like walk through a park or something and you see like a little league game, I always like stop for two minutes and I'm just like, yes, this is fucking America. It's just it's just great, you know. Yeah, I had a few quotes I listed from this one. Obviously, forever, forever. <laughs> talking about the beast, and then um, Benny the Jet has the dream about the fictional Babe Ruth, who basically tells him to jump the fence and steal the ball. So then, then he outruns the beast. But it's like, remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. That one gets me every time. And I knew what I just thought was hilarious at the end of the movie. They say, like, what happens to all the kids? And they're like, Bertram got really into the 60s. And no one ever saw him again. And that's all you hear <laughs> about that kid. 
I just thought that was like So guys, I have to give a story related to the 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 amazing heroes get remembered but legends never die line. So my brother was absolutely smashed one night. And we were shout out Dylan. Yeah, shout out to Dylan. We're having an incredible night. This is sort of a whole nother story, but we're having like one of the greatest nights of our lives where pretty much one of our buddies, Dan Creed, who's been on the pod, shout out to Dan, got me and my brother into a Blink-182 like sort of uh, tour and album release party. And it was a very intimate thing. It ended up just being just this insane night where we hung out with Blink-182 and got fucking hammered. And Dylan is just absolutely like incapacitated drunk and just takes a selfie video on his phone in the middle of the party. And he just goes, ah, we're at the Blink-182 party. It's one of the greatest nights of our lives. He goes, you know what I need to say? Legends are remembered, but heroes never die heroes never die and he just said it wrong <laughs> just backwards <laughs> so serious <laughs> oh, <sighs> fucking dylan honestly it's still good Both it's ways still just as good it's still just as good but yeah this movie just has so many great lines i love pass i love the back and forth the banter that ends with you play ball like a girl oh yeah so that's good. one of my favorites but yeah, this this is it. If you haven't seen The Sandlot, do yourself a favor and go see it. It is in all ages affair, and it it is just great no matter what age you are. Yeah, fantastic pick. Uh, so that's me, right? Number one. It's you. Well, I've already given it away. You have at the very very beginning of the pod, and I will just introduce it quickly and pass it back to you, Poss. That is 1988's Bull Durham. Uh, so written and directed by Ron Shelton, um, who played minor league ball. Um, and this is, you know, following a minor league team, the Durham Bulls. Uh, Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins are the main main characters. Um, and it's basically, there's there's a lot to say, but, but Kevin Costner is sort of a, a vet um, that's brought in as a catcher to work with Tim Robbins, who's... Um, kind of an, an up and coming uh, prospect as a pitcher. Go ahead, boss. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it quick, um, just because you have a higher, so I'll give you a little more of the spotlight. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just thought it, it kind of reminds me of like major league a little bit, in, except with like a minor league team where you you know you have these different personalities, right? You get you know Kevin Costner's the old catcher, similar like Tom Berenger reminds me, kind of like both vet catchers. You know, their their job is essentially to bring this up and coming pitcher, in this case Tim Robbins, Nuke is his nickname. He's like the young hotshot pitcher who, you know, throws really hard but has a wild control. So I mean, just a, it's just a really funny movie. Um, you know, a lot of hilarious scenes. And then you get Susan Sarandon, who's kind of the uh she's like a diehard Durham Bulls fan. Um, and she picks a player essentially each season to hook up with for the season um but she's also very knowledgeable about baseball so she's giving tips to the players like during the game she's like passing notes through the dugout and stuff um so i just thought it was like a really fun movie uh 
you know, again, some, some great quotes mixed in the movie. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Costner, every time he's like facing a rookie pitcher, it's like, come on, meat, throw me that weak ass shit. Yeah. It's like, says a couple, or that's like, he doesn't actually say it out loud. It's in his head or, you know, his thought process. Um, but then, you know, Annie, who's Susan Saranda's character, she's like, I've tried them all. I really have. And the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the church of baseball. And I just love that quote. Um, you know, just talks about the passion for the game, which, you know, I feel that way. There's something about baseball. I think we talked about it. it just, you know, it's kind of intangible part of it. You can't really explain why you're drawn to it, but maybe it's just because it's a pastime that you grew up with in, in the U.S., but. Um, it's just something about it, but, um, yeah, I'll leave it there, but, uh, let you go, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, I honestly, I kind of remembered this being like almost like middle of the road, but then I rewatched it this week and I just, I couldn't believe how much more I loved it. It's just, it's fucking great. Uh, you did mention like some of the similarity there with major league, but, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there about, you know, kind of passion, the 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 sort of love triangle between the three main characters all of them have great relationships you know amongst each other uh susan Serena's character is just really interesting like in the beginning of the movie you kind of like oh is she like some sort of a groupie and and she's she's more like i don't know almost like a muse like a baseball muse like she sort of inspires these players and like um kind of shepherds them on their journey um in a really interesting way and she's the narrator so in a way she's she's almost the main character um and and costner is i don't think he's ever been funnier you, you mentioned you know some of these like weak ass shit but like he also keeps uh like he keeps every time tim robbins like doesn't listen to him he just tells the the opposing player like what he's gonna throw so that he hits a home run um just to like rub it in his face right. he's hilarious and i think the other thing about this movie that's great is it has that quality that you can get in sports movies and and oftentimes baseball movies where like this could really be about anything and you could still have sort of the same dynamic between the young upstart, you know, the older veteran and kind of how they play off each other. Um, it's just, there's something very human quality to it. Obviously it's great because it is baseball, um, but it, but it really is a more universal story. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I don't like this movie. <sighs> That's let's hear it. I just, this, of all baseball movies, this one just does not connect with me. And I didn't rewatch it this week. I didn't need to. I've already seen it twice. I don't know why, but the story just does not connect with me at all. The characters don't connect with me. And I do not know what the hype is all about. I don't get it. So many people think this is one of the best. I uh, I disagree. Yeah, and Justin, I, I will say I watched it you know, like a week ago, I rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I I kind of felt like indifferent about it. I never like disliked it, but mm-hmm. I never was like loved it. Um, I did like appreciate a lot more about it when I rewatched it. Um, but a lot of it's just like the I think they have great baseball scenes and like great, you know, intricacies, the baseball mixed into this movie that are great. But the story, I mean, the story is a little different because it, you know, it almost revolves around like the love story with like Susan Sarandon, Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins, like that whole like mm-hmm. love triangle between the three of them um, at some points, which, you know, I, I kind of get that deters or I don't know. It just takes it a different direction at some points. But 
I don't know. I feel like they tie it back. And then she's also just like, you know, has this baseball IQ. And, you know, I can understand, I guess, why people may not love it. Um, just because it's done a little differently. But I think they just have some scenes in there that are some of the baseball scenes are just like, you know, timeless. At the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, I watched it like last time I watched it was maybe like three or four years ago. So pretty recent. But yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't love any of the characters which that it's hard for me to latch onto a movie where i don't like any of the characters unless it's that fucking good but hey it's just one man's opinion and i know it's an unpopular one i will also say i noticed that four of my top five movies all fell within a window of 1988 to 1993 wow Um, a lot of my honorable mentions are also in that time frame it's very interesting that they came out with like they were stacked with baseball movies at this time, which was, I was trying to look up earlier, like baseball history. And was there something, you know, at that time, I mean, I think baseball was kind of losing luster a little bit, like in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, you know, I was just reading in the history. They said like home runs were down in the eighties. Um, they obviously had the player strike in like 1994 where they like basically didn't have a world series and they missed some of the season because of that strike. So I think the popularity maybe of baseball was dwindling a little bit. Maybe that's why they made a lot of these home movies. I don't know. But I was very curious once I figured out like, Oh, all these great movies were made around the same time. Like besides bad news bears, I think that's the only other one that's from the seventies, but all my other ones were late eighties, early nineties. That is so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. All right. Well, let's recap our lists for everyone, because I know we did a lot of jumping around. Poss, you start five to one. Okay. At number five, I had Bull Durham. Number four, I had Bad News Bears. Number three, Major League. Number two, Field of Dreams. Number one, The Sandlot. I had number five, The Natural. Number four, Major League. Number three, Hardball. Number two, Moneyball. And number one, The Sandlot. I am five. Everybody wants some for the natural three, the phenom, two sugar, one boulder. And yeah, let's let's do some honorables and just go in the same order. So pause throughout okay. a few. Yeah, I think we talked about couple a couple of them. I think obviously the natural was on there for me. Moneyball was on there for me. Um, one we didn't touch on. It's just like a funny classic as rookie of the year, also yep. from '93. That's on um, mine as well. Another one I didn't get to watch that I really wanted to uh, was A League of Their Own with Tom Hanks as the coach. And I actually thought this was a softball movie, but then I looked it up and I think it's actually a baseball movie just with women on the baseball team. It is. It is. Um, so I didn't get to watch that one either. I wanted to. Um, also from 1992, as we're talking about that window of time. But then uh, 42. That's the movie about Jackie Robinson with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, that's um, on my that, that was a great movie. Um, you know, there was a couple other like they made this movie sixty one. I don't think I don't know if it was in theaters. Uh, no, it's, it's HBO direct HBO yeah. movie. Yeah, um, I don't but, underrated uh, though. Yeah, I mean it's a good movie. It's about like the home run chase in nineteen sixty one, yeah. where Roger Maris hit sixty one home runs to big break Babe Ruth's record. Um, so that was a good movie. I thought. Another like comedy one that was pretty funny is like Mr. 3000, Bernie Mac. For Love of the Game is another Kevin Costner uh, baseball movie, but it's a little more of like a love story. Um, but that was a good one. And then some of the ones that I watched 
uh, you know, one that I love that I couldn't put in my top five, but obviously, Justin, you can cover your ears for the next couple of minutes about my Red Sox love, but <laughs> Fever Pitch. Oh, yeah, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch in 2005 with Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore. Jimmy Fallon's a diehard Red Sox fan. Um, you know, I thought it was, I, I love it. I still love the movie. It just like, you know, if I have to put a top five of baseball movies, I don't know, put it there, but it's still, I mean, just as a Red Sox fan, it's like, really shows like how diehard some people can be uh you know i obviously love that it revolves around my team but uh yeah yeah it's just like a great great like love story she's trying to adapt to his lifestyle of being this diehard red sox fan and then basically at the end of the movie basically they say that they end up getting together after they've been broken up because he's trying to sell his season tickets which he's had for years at fenway which is very hard to get for anyone who knows as a red sox fan she jumps onto the field in game four of the ALCS against the Yankees in 2004. <laughs> um, so basically their love turned the tide for the Red Sox to win the World Series and beat the Yankees. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never watched that one. Never watched that one. <laughs> well, also, just, just throwing it out there, Fever Pitch is called The Perfect Catch in the UK. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, my okay. God. But yeah, so that that's a great one. Also, one that I grew up with, uh, Angels in the Outfield. Oh, yeah. Love dude. that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joseph Gordon Surprisingly, Levin, right? a stacked cast, too. We have Danny Glover, Christopher Lloyd, Joseph Gordon Lovett, a very young Joseph Gordon Lovett. Matthew McConaughey is on the team. Adrian Jesus. Brody is on the team. I did not realize how stacked that is. I rewatched it and I was like, oh my God, there's like so many people in this movie. Holy shit. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but all I remember is like it starts off so dark. Like his dad right. walks out on him and basically says, I won't come back unless the angels win the Bennett. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so dark. And then it, it is kind of dark. I mean, his dad doesn't end up coming back. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of dark in that sense. It's like a Disney movie, too. And then I watched a couple of classics for Mike on this list that were new that I'd never seen. So there's oh, Bang the Drum Slowly from 1973 okay. with Robert De Niro. That's okay, but I'm, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd never seen it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like my favorite, but it was just interesting. Like I'd never, I didn't even know Robert De Niro was in a baseball movie. That was kind of before he was famous. So yeah. I wanted to watch it. And then another like really throwback was Pride of the Yankees. Oh yeah. Got Justin Yankee oh, shout okay, out. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. It's about the story of Lou Gehrig, played by Gary Cooper, but they actually have Babe Ruth in the movie as an like an actor. He has like a lot of scenes yeah, in yeah, the movie, yeah. which was just like interesting as a baseball fan to see him like talking and interacting like in a different perspective than all the, I don't know, all the old videos I've seen of him like playing baseball. You know, just funny seeing him like act and he's funny and yeah. So I mean, it's just like an interesting story. I'm not usually in the movies that old, but. uh but yeah, I thought it was done pretty pretty good movie. So, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but the I mean the last ten minutes is phenomenal, obviously. Yeah. So that's that's the honorables. Yeah, you've covered everything. I'll just say like the ones that I had of yours. I had Rookie of the Year, Forty Two, Bad News Bears, League of Their Own, and then actually the one movie that you didn't shout that was one that I loved when I was growing up, Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. Fun little rom com. I will. Let's see. I've got a few. I think that we didn't throw. No one said Eight Men Out, right? Which is a pretty well known right. one about in depth about the Black Sox scandal. 
Um, Off the Black. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that with Nick Nolte. That's that's worth a watch. Um, I mentioned this in our zombie episode because it's actually a zombie movie, but I'll just reiterate it here. The, the Battery is like a movie about two baseball players sort of surviving the zombie apocalypse. It, it captures some of those sort of intangibles about baseball that are cool. Um, yeah, and if you are going back, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, that's from 49. Uh, Damn Yankees is the musical, that's from 58. It happens every spring. I'm trying to remember what that is. It's late 40s. I can't remember. And if you really want to just see some off-the-wall stuff, the bingo-long traveling all-stars and motor kings. That's an experience. It's starring Richard Pryor, uh, James Earl Jones. More and, James Earl? James yeah, Earl. and he's playing like he's playing comedy. Um, and uh, Billy D. Williams. That is a that is a film. Amazing, nice. That's that's what I've got. Well, boys, it's been a time recounting America's favorite pastime. Yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel I feel awfully patriotic right now. <laughs> it's pretty psyched up. And now that I went to the game in the last week, like just being back at the field with all the crowd, and even though it's in Anaheim, there's tons of Red Sox fans there. So got some great Red Sox chants. Got my beers and hot dogs. Uh, just the feeling of being in the park, watching the game. I mean, there's something about it. It just Ugh. draws you in. So it was, oh man, yeah, that must like have been smells, amazing. The sounds, like everything about it, it was definitely it was awesome. one of the best sports to attend. Absolutely, totally agree. Well, Poss, it, it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. It's, it's you're the sports guy. You're the guy that we need for the sports. Absolutely, I'm always here if you guys need me. Love coming on the pod. Ah, oh, we love having you. Very happy that we both had Sandlot as number one. I kind of had a feeling you were going to have it. I don't know why. I'm I had a feeling you'd have it on the list. And when, when it, when we got to one, I was like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be. <laughs> it has to be. Oh. So it has to be Bull Durham is what it has to be. Oh, oh. also a great one. But Ugh. just like your pod, if you build it, they will come. So, <laughs> come to your podcast. And unsolicited shout out to everyone about Patreon and what you guys are doing. Love it. Love what you're doing. Obviously, this this is a lot of fun to be on the podcast, but listening to you guys every week, it's really a pleasure. And I know a lot of other people feel that way too. So keep the good contact coming. Oh, thanks, 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 Pops. That oh, that really is means a lot to I'm us. I'm not crying. You're crying. I know. Fuck. It's gonna make me emotional right here on the pod. <laughs> oh well. If you want to check out the Patreon, you heard it best from Pops. You can find it in our socials in a, in the link in our bio. And we're on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives, Twitter at Top Dives. We love you guys. Pause. Thank you again. We love you. And we'll see everyone next week. Peace out. Thanks, guys. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius. Legends are remembered, but heroes never die. Heroes never die. <laughs>